All right, here we go. Good evening, everybody. We are in the middle of Perky Office, Perak Aleph, Mishnah Vav. We, are, we ended off in the middle of the sixth Mishnah, Mishnah Vav, and we will restart the Mishnah to get ourselves back into this. So here we go. Yeshua ben Prachia, Nita Harabeli, Kibu Mehem, Yeshua ben Prachia, and Nita Harabeli accepted the Messiah, accepted the tradition from the two Yosis, from both Yosi ben Yoezer and Yosi ben Yochanan. And we learned that Yeshua ben Prachia, Aimer, Yeshua ben Prachia says, for those who are joining us, we're in the first chapter, the sixth Mishnah. Okay? Asela Harav. Make for yourself a Rebbe. It's important that everybody appoint some sort of teacher for us, whether or not they are older um, than us, whether they are greater than us intellectually. It is always important to study with another person in order to know that we're not being biased in our own minds. We also learned Kenei Chachover, Acquire friends for yourselves. Friends are of utmost importance. One should even be willing to spend money uh, to make sure that they have that a person has a quality friend, a friend is not somebody who we just spend time with and hang out with, but a friend is somebody who um, is close enough and we're comfortable enough to offer each other constructive uh, constructive criticism. And um, a friend, some of the Rishonim say a friend also also serves as a confidant, a person who's not going to reveal one's secrets to others. And Rabbeinu Yonah points out that a good friend also will allow any injustice to pass in the relationship. We don't feel, if you're ever in a relationship where you feel you're walking on eggshells and you can't say things uh, that you, that are important to you, uh, because the other person may be insulted and, and may run away from the relationship, Rabbeinu Yonah says that's not called a good friend. Might be a friend, but that's not his, that, that is not the friend that is necessary to have in order to grow. It is always important to have a good friend who will be there for us through, um, through thick and thin. You know, um, my, I have a, one of my sister, Bracha Skolnik, uh, I was having a conversation with her on, on Shalom Bayis, she, uh, you know, she coaches couples, and she said that she wants her, she shared with me, she heard that um, love, okay, now love in, we'll talk in Torah terms, last week we learned that love, you know, in, in American terms is not really what we're looking for. Um, how do you know if you're truly in a loving relationship? It's when you are comfortable enough to make yourself vulnerable and when you do, instead of that other person taking advantage, they build you up. Some people, if when we make ourselves vulnerable in front of them, they crush us. They crush us while we're down, right? Therefore, we can't allow that in. You know that that obviously is not a a uh, a healthy friendship. That's not a a healthy relationship. We quoted Rashi. Can even apply to books to purchase books. To, um, to give us further insight or other insight outside of our minds on how, to, on how to view circumstances. And that's all a quick review of some of what we discussed last week. And here we go. The last thing, the last statement of the sixth mission, and this is where we stopped. 
is, let's be very careful with these words, the have a done, and one shall judge, as kol ha'adam, the entire person, lekaf zuchus, on the, on the side of the scale of merit. Okay? And let's tear through each of these very important words. The first words are, the have a done. Yeah, it is. We're supposed to judge. We're supposed to judge. I might say, why does the Mishnah say, judge people favorably? Let the Mishnah say, stop judging. Why doesn't it say, just don't judge? Stop judging everybody. It's a good question. Yeah? We had this conversation in Shul. Stop judging. Cut it out. The answer is like this. And this is something I personally am continue to work on. Um, I don't have this down to a science. And that is, very often, when we choose not to judge what that can also come across as, it can also come across as if it is indifference. I don't really care what's going on in your life. If, I, if, we, don't, if we don't notice what's going on in people's lives, and there's a balance. Some people have different character traits and different midos and how to do this. Okay, and this is, I'm just being candid. This is something that, that you know, it, it's a very, it's, it's a balance that I don't have down to a T yet. I'm, I'm you know, I think we, we have a grasp on what needs to be done, but it takes our vida. And that is sometimes we, we kind of say, just let live. Let people be, let me be, let you be. Like, hey, you don't need to stick your nose too far into people's business. That's very true. However, it can also come across to people like you, you don't care. And sometimes we really do care, but we're just trying not to judge. And that can cause, what that can cause is, People feeling like they don't mean much to you. People feel like they don't mean it when they very well may. So Yeshua ben Prachia is telling us something very interesting. The heavy done. A person should, it's not that you shouldn't judge, because if we never judge what's going on in a person's life, we're never really going to get involved. Because we're never going to, listen, maybe it looks like you're not doing well emotionally, but who am I to judge? It might look like you're not doing well financially, but who? It's not good. So, interestingly, Nita Bailey, this is a very, this is a very nuanced but very important detail. He says, done." You know what? As Yidden, as Jews who are obligated to each other, we're supposed to notice what's going on in other people's lives. There's going to be a line, obviously. You can't be Mr. Nosy. All right. Mind if somebody says mind your own business, mind your own business. That's for sure. If somebody makes it very clear that you, you know, they're they're fine, they're not interested. Okay, back off. However, we need to be observant enough to judge what's going on in that person's life, so that we know how to help them. However, listen to this. This is so beautiful. How do we do this? How do we judge properly? You know what step number one is to not slip? They have a done as kol ha'adam. What does kol ha'adam mean? So interestingly, art school translates this as all people. That's not the real trans. That's not the literal translation. 
Literal translation means judge an entire person. Kol ha'adam. If, you want, if you're going to judge, judge an entire person. Because there's not a single person. I, could just, I don't have as much life experience as many of you have. But I personally have not met anybody who's a bad person. We make mistakes. And those mistakes very often can be very detrimental to our relationships and, you know, uh, and, and how, you know, how careful we need to be with each other. But we'll notice, if we judge an entire person, we'll notice there's so much beauty to a person that that little slight issue, for example, eh, they have a temper. Aye, but what about the fact that they've got a huge heart? What about the fa- the, their generosity, their d- desire to bring good to the world, the way that they're, you know, the, the, the patience... That they very often that a person may very very often have until they just explode with this temper. Let's say, if you look at an entire person, you know what that that little slip up is going to mean very little, because when I see that person, yeah, maybe a little too stingy for my liking. Maybe that doesn't become my focus. I might observe it. I might know it, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to lose any sort of respect for that person because I'm judging the total person. When we judge the total person, we're in a much safer place when we judge. As opposed to, meh, that person's got a temper. Meh, stay away, bad bad person. Or, meh, stingy, whatever, lush and horror, gossip. Meh. We start to take that little, little thing and blow it up like that defines the entire person. That is very dangerous. And you want to know a proof to this? The Torah itself, how does the Torah tell us? How does God tell us in the times of the temple, times of the Beis HaMikdash, when we're gossiping and slandering inappropriately, what happens to us? We get saras. A person gets what they translate as leprosy. It's incorrect translation because leprosy is a physical ailment. This is a spiritual ailment that comes to the body and goes away with repentance. Yeah? But when a person is hurting people's feelings, when a person's gossiping and slandering, what does Hashem do? What happens? You get two white hairs on your body. Two hairs that change colors. The Kohen comes and looks at, out of the hundreds of thousands of hairs on the body, looks at these two little colors and declares, Tomei, you're totally impure. What does that have to do with anything? The guy gossiped. What does two hairs have to do with anything? The answer is, why did we gossip about? Why did we say that? Why did I say that that person is a terrible person to have a temper? You know why? Because I didn't look at the whole person. I looked at one little part of that person, two little hairs, and I declared that entire person to me. Uh, the way I speak about that person is they're terrible. What a terrible person. What a, what a, what a anger management. And nobody could ever get along with them. Nobody. Why are you talking about a person like that? Okay, they have a weakness. No. But what do we do? We say like it's that entire person. Comes along the Kohen, measure for measure, teaching us an important lesson and says, oh, one second, Tendler, two little hairs. Oh, I'm declaring you, Tommy. Oh, you're Tommy. Same thing that you just did to that person. Therefore says, this is such a, this is, this needs, this needs time. This needs time. Says Yeshua ben Prachia, you can't always not judge. 
Very often we need to judge. But I'll tell you what your safety net is going to be. You know how to not slip in your judgment? As kol ha'adam. You got to always see the entire package. You got to see the entire... If you're going to... You got to see the entire package. And guess what? I'm going to add this in on my own. This is an assumption. If you can't see a person in their totality, never judge them. It seems from the Mishnah, judge when you can see the big picture. But it seems if you can't see Kol Ha'adam, there's a very dangerous slope. There's a very dangerous hill to climb. Don't. Don't judge. And that, that's, I don't, I, this is my own thing that I'm adding in, assuming that from how the Mepharshim are explaining uh, this mission. Now, interestingly, let's keep going in his words. What does he say? Judge, as Kol Ha'adam, the entire picture, Lekafschus, even when I'm judging that little bit, interestingly, I should see that little thing, but do it and assume that person is innocent. Judge that person, even that little bit that we're supposed to judge, and we notice that temper, judge them innocent. I'm just using this as an example, the temper thing, okay? It's judge them favorably. Is this a halacha or not? Is this a halacha or not? Is this... Is this advice or is this a loss? This is very interesting. The Rambam, Maimonides, when writing this law, it says, right? It says in the Torah, we're supposed to judge people righteously and favorably. So the Rambam says that if a person is a known wicked person, okay, meaning the person is known to not care. To not care about how they interact with others. They are a confirmed and they have a they, they're confirmed and they have a status of performing averos publicly without caring so on and so forth. Says the Rambam, if you see this type of person sinning in that way, you don't need to judge them favorably. You'd have to be naive. You'd have to be naive. You don't need the, the, the mission's not telling us to be naive. Somebody does this, this particular Avera, this particular sin, whatever it is, all the time, then you, 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 you don't need to judge them. You don't have to say, oh, maybe they're not really speaking Lashon Hara, maybe they're not really gossiping, maybe that. No, that's fine. You could, you could assume that what they're doing is an Avera. If somebody is completely, has a status of being righteous in this area, there's an obligation to judge them favorably. It's an obligation. We're, we're ob- according to halacha, we're obligated to judge them favorably. What if a person is like middle of the road? Middle of the road. Sometimes yes, nice, no, yeah, ups and downs in this. And again, keep, notice my words in this area, because you could have people who are exemplary when it comes to honesty, when it comes to truthfulness, when it comes to whatever, and then they are known to be. You know, to uh, or they themselves publicly sin in a, in a in a different way, whatever that sin may be, and it's over and over and over. So in that particular area, you're obligated. You don't need to judge them favorably, but maybe in the area that they're righteous, and you would be obligated to judge them favorably. Okay, it's interesting. It's like Rabbi Sol Salanter says, and this is such a beautiful and powerful thing. Rabbi Sol Salanter says that at the Pesach Seder, we talk about the wicked son, the righteous son. 
the you know the ignorant son and the you know the the simple son. Shalom says many of us sit at the seder and we think it's four different sons. It's not. It's us at four different times. Each of us have the four sons, right? Sometimes there are certain areas that we're we're just good at. We're good at. Other times we're not. Sometimes we're at, you know. Sometimes we don't even know where to start. We don't even know where to ask. I don't even know. Like I'm not sure what's happening, right? And sometimes we we know how to ask, but it's a very it's a it's a a, a beautiful idea, beautiful idea. That we're we're very multifaceted human beings. Are, we're we are we're, we're diverse within ourselves. There's many parts to us, you know, and we have strengths and we've got struggles and we got things that we're we're pulling together on. And there are Rishonim that say that when we talk about judging people favorably or Russia or something, it can even apply to categories within a person. That if you know a person's good in a particular area, you'd be obligated to judge them favorably. When it comes to that, maybe with something else, you wouldn't have to. Very, very uh, uh, interesting, uh, very interesting concept. But on a to now bring this Mishnah to a broader level, I would say that an additional takeaway is better judge favorably than sorry. All right, if somebody, if you ever come across a person and you're not sure, we're not sure, you know, whether to trust, whether, you know, this person's just pulling wool over our eyes and whatever. As they say in Gemara, respect people, but suspect them as well. Meaning, respect everybody, but it doesn't mean you have to lend them a thousand dollars, you know, because they promise to pay you back tomorrow when you never met them before. Respect and suspect doesn't mean that I don't respect. Respect, but there's there's a limit, there's a line that every person is permitted to have and should have of self protection for themselves. But overall, that they done is called adam lekafskos to to judge. Uh, to judge. Uh, the entire person and to judge most people who we meet favorably. Okay, that is Parak Aleph Mishnah Vav. We now continue on to Parak Aleph Mishnah Zion. Here we go, the seventh Mishnah. Nitai Har So Yeshua ben Prachia's counterpart. Nitai Har So what did he teach us? What were his teachings? So he says like this Harcheg Mishachin Ra. Stay away from bad neighbors okay now some of the Rishonim say that this is actually advice on how to look for a home don't just look for property don't just look for a nice house you gotta look at asking about the neighbors is even more important than the house itself the neighborhood you live in the people that you're going to be meeting on the street the circles you're going to be walking in because they, the, the circle, the, the people who we meet when we leave our homes create an atmosphere of influence. And if it's a, uh, you know, and if it's a, an evil influence, we're going to be influenced by those who live around us. And interestingly, if you just move on to the next thing, he says, don't get too close to a Russia. So look at this change in expression. It says, um, distance yourself from a neighbor create distance and then it says don't get too close to a Russia 
am I supposed to distance myself? Distance myself means run away. Or am I supposed to not get too close? Which means I could stay where I am. I just should have moved closer. Do I need to create distance or just don't get too close? Okay? So the Mepharshim explained, the commentators explained, that there's a difference between a neighbor and a friend. Okay? A neighbor is somebody who, whether I like it or not, is always around me. They live next door. They live next door. All right? Now, in the times of the Mishnah, neighbors, for sure, were a lot more, had a lot more to do with each other than, uh, you know, than we have nowadays. But there's certainly what to take from this. There's certainly what to take from this. Um, so, harchik mishachinah means get out, run away, because the neighbor is not going anywhere. And they're constantly around us. This is 24-7. They're neighbors. They're living there. When somebody's living in your life and it's detrimental, you got to walk out. You got to leave. However, al-tishaber l'rasha means somebody who's not necessarily going to always be around me. Okay? Not necessarily somebody who's always going to be around me. And therefore, what's my job? Just don't get too close. Because they're not going to have this constant negative influence. It, it's not that we need to run away from people who are bad influences, because sometimes we need to be near people who are bad influences for various reasons. Sometimes it might even be a family member. Sometimes you need to be, be near somebody who might be a negative influence so that I can have a positive influence, right? Every time there's a, you know, you, you have up, you know, there's, somebody's got, might, might have a strength, somebody else has a weakness, so how do you ever have an impact on each other if the, if the good person's always running away? Yeah, it's not real. It's not real to always be running. Every time there's a bad situation, okay, run it. That's not what Hashem wants. Hashem doesn't want, like, separation, like, Sadiqim here, Risham here, everybody up against the wall. Yeah, opposite sides, never shall the two talk. No. Benita Arbeli is telling us, you got to be very, very careful. you got to be very careful. Because getting close to people who are doing evil things is a slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. Okay? I could say just, just in, you know, even in the rabbinate, you can excuse so many things that are absolutely forbidden. Yeah? You know, uh, but but we'll all know it's a fake. You give an extreme example. Uh, you know, somebody walks into a club and I'm there. Somebody walks to some whatever, some wild club, and I'm sitting there. He's like, Rabbi, what are you doing there? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm looking for Jews to, you know, to learn with me as chabrusas. You're like, dude, you could do that somewhere else. All right, <laughs> you don't need to be here. This is strange, all right? But people could excuse that, all right? They go, oh. It, and our minds can play with us. Says the says Nitai Arbeli, no, 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 no. There's of course there's relationships and connections and all that, but you gotta make sure that it never gets too close that the negative rubs off on the good. The good should overpower the negative. Make sure you're always in that type of setting where the where you know, I would say where you have home court advantage, so to speak, you know. If you're going to meet with someone, meet in a kosher place. Meet in a, I don't mean by kosher food per se. Meet in a place that's, that, you know, that's, that's good for one's character. You know, or, or you, you, know, you need to meet up with, you have a conversation with somebody. You're gonna, make sure it's an environment of, of elevation, or an, an environment of productivity. So, Harchi Mishachinra, Ba'al Teshaber Lerasha. 
and don't get too close to don't get too close to the Russian. Lost the place. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Here we go. And do not despair from Peronius. Okay, now Altasiyash ben Peronius is a uh, has two what we'll call main meanings. Two main meanings to this to this um, Mishnah. Number one is that if a person ever has a hard time in this world, don't give up. Don't give up. That's Altasiyash. Don't abandon things when there's Peronius, when there's difficult times. As anybody who's been alive for any amount of time knows, Gamze Yavar, this too will pass. Life is about stages. Life's about stages. Yeah. We, we know that everybody's going, everybody, somehow you look at people that can I know her, they're in their 90s, they're 100, 110. They didn't, have, didn't always necessarily have the easiest lives. They're fine. They made it through. Because Baruch Hu helped, uh, helped helping people through until 120. Because Baruch Hu helps people through. Don't give up. Don't give up. There's, it's a stage. There's, a, there's, there's different. Sometimes people have stages within each day. Sometimes different stages within each month or, or year. But at the Siyosh when things are look like Hashem is not smiling with good mazel on a person, Gamze Yavor. There'll come a time. There'll come a time where it'll change and times will be good. That is one main way to understand this last idea of the Mishnah. The other idea is that, you know, sometimes we look at our Shachin Ra, at our neighbor that's, that's doing wrong, or we'll look at, a person will look at their Tishchaber uh, LaRosha, uh, you'll see, uh, you know, uh, people who seem to be doing evil, and we'll say, listen, you know, life's not fair. It looks like Hashem's, you know, fortune is smiling on them, and it's not smiling on me. Says Nita Arabeli, you're right, life's not fair. It's true, right? In the eyes of an individual, of a human being, where we don't see everything, it's true. Life's not always fair, okay? However, know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a world of perfection. God has a perfect world. And sometimes when fortune seems to be smiling on people who are doing evil, don't worry about it. Stop looking at those who are doing wrong and seemingly are happy in this world because ultimately it's all part of a greater picture, a greater picture of Hashem's perfection. And there'll be a time people are going to be held accountable. There's nobody who's not held accountable for their actions. Don't worry. Don't worry. Things are going to end up being... We just need to do what we have to do to be good people. We've got to be good people. We've got to be good Yidden. We've got to be good Jews. That's my job. My job is not to be looking around and figuring how everybody else is minding their own stores and how their lives seemingly are turning out. As we're going to learn soon in the Mishnah... It ain't always the way it seems, and it's usually not, actually. It's usually the opposite of the way, uh, of the way it seems. Uh, the, the truth usually is, is really not in line with what things uh, usually look like. Rabbi Yaina explains that, you know, sometimes a person might say, I'll have to do with the evil person, 
with the one doing the wrong thing. You know why? You know, when times are good, I'll try to team up with them. And when, you know, when things start to go bad, so uh, I'll turn away from them. Yeah? Says Rabbeinu Yaina, no. It's one of the Rishonim, he says, if there's anything wicked, everything, anything evil, stay away. Stay away from it. It's very interesting. I'll share one more idea on this. A little bit of a uh, family secret uh, that was shared with me. And I, I continue to do this, by the way. Uh, I don't know if it's a family minog in the Tendler family. This, uh, anytime um, a new opportunity comes my way or a new meeting with somebody, any sort of opportunity, it could be a board meeting with a new idea. So, blending in a little bit on what I do. Um, I say the first capital of Tehillim, the first chapter of Tehillim. Okay? And I got this from my older siblings who told me they got it from my parents. The first chapter of Tehillim, of Psalms, Fortunate is a person who doesn't walk with the advice of the wicked doesn't stand in the ways of the sinners, and doesn't sit in a group of those who scorn others. Okay? The, the Tehillim goes on and on. But what, what, what is the focus? What does this mean? This is very profound. What this means is we're so limited in our perception that very often something that we view as an opportunity can be the most detrimental thing for us. And you can go into a, a, a job interview. You could sit down at a board meeting. And you can come up with seemingly fantastic ideas. And all these things. We need Si'ata Dishmaya. Where we're asking Hashem, Hashem, help me discern who is who and what is what. Because I can't know this on my own. I cannot figure out on my own. I, there's no way for me to know on my own. Whether I'm sitting amongst, whether I myself, first of all, have my head in the right place. Whether the people who I'm deciding these things with or people who are deciding for me are scorners, are people who are not going to be good for my life. Even though, because very, very often we might want a job. We might well be going to an interview, yeah, this is my dream thing, and it could be the most horrible thing for us. There's no really way for us to know. If we say this chapter of Tehillim, Kapitol Aleph, it really just puts our minds into the perfect, just into the right frame, to the right frame of mind. And that is, that ultimately, it's not about the job. Ultimately, it's not about the opportunity. It's not about the idea. It's about doing right in the eyes of Hashem. It's doing right in the eyes of Hashem. And it's, it's so hard for us to discern on our own. It's, it's a worthwhile thing. If anybody ever is in a situation like this, it's a worthwhile thing to, to recite Kapitel Aleph of Tehillim, just to remind ourselves. Things aren't always the way it seems, and we need really, we really need Siata Deshmaya, we need divine help in, um, in uh, getting proper, uh, proper clarity. Okay, let's start Mishnah Ches. We'll do for two or three more minutes. And we will hold it here. Here we go. 
Yehuda ben Tabai, there's the next group of pairs. And Shimon ben Shadach, they received the Messiah from Nitai Harbeli and Yeshua ben Prachia. Yehuda ben Tabai, Yomer Yehuda ben Tabai says, Al pas atzmecha ke'archei hadayonim. Okay? So, Al pas atzmecha ke'archei hadayonim means that um, either it's referring to a judge himself, okay, that a judge should always make sure the words that come out of their mouths don't lead any lawyer or litigant to knowing where their mind is. All right? Don't say anything which gives off any sort of connotation of to any either side of what you want to hear. A judge should be a listener. Listen to this, it's beautiful. When litigants are standing in front of you, view them like they're guilty. Outside of a court, you judge people, it's innocent till proven guilty. But in a Jewish court, listen to this, the, the judges are supposed to view both litigants as guilty till proven innocent. It doesn't mean you're going to judge it like that. What it means is, if you don't trust somebody, you're going to ask much better questions to get to the truth. Because if you're trying to get the truth out of somebody and you just believe everything they say, they're innocent. You're not going to ask the right questions to get the truth out. You're just going to assume what they're saying is correct. So when a judge is in court, they should view the litigants while they're standing there. They're both, I'm going to figure out where I can find the flaw in your story. Very interesting. They're so beautiful. I want to end with this idea. They're so beautiful. There's so much more on this Mishnah, but this idea is such a truism. I love it. But when both litigants, or anybody, walk out of a courtroom, you they were both never guilty in the first place. They were both innocent the whole time. One second. You just ruled that one's guilty and one's innocent. How can they both be innocent? Listen to this. This is so precious. This is so precious. You know what this is? I see this with my kids. I see this with myself. We see this in every relationship. Siblings, parents, colleagues. And that is, and I use the, the classic example that I use because I see this daily in school, is the basketball court. Two teams playing basketball, the ball goes out of bounds. The team on defense says, who's out on your team by a mile. The team on offense says, out of bounds on you by 10 miles. All right. It was a close call. <laughs> it's a close call. All right. There's no referees in school. One team is holding their ground that, uh, the, you know, it's their turn with the ball. The ball belongs to them. It's out of bounds on the other team. Another team says, out of bounds on you. Let me ask you a question. Is either team lying? The answer is no. No. The defensive team truly saw the ball go out of bounds on the offensive team. Because that's how we see things. They, they, they really saw it. Because it works to their advantage. We see things that are to our advantage. And vice versa. Most people, when they get into a disagreement, are not doing it because they're lying. You could be arguing about a fact. People are not usually. You could have liars. Of course you could. Usually people are not liars. People just saw it differently. 
we're going to see things the way that we see things. And if you have two people walking through a court, they're fighting over money. Is one trying to swindle the other? No. One honestly is coming to court and saying that $1,000 is mine and I'll prove it to you. Another one's coming to court saying that $1,000 is mine and I'll prove it to you. The judge looks at both of them in court like they're guilty to get to the flaw in the story, get down to the bottom of it, and to show them who, what the Torah wants, who Hashem wants to have this money. And then when they walk out, you view them like nobody here was lying. Nobody here was trying to steal. It's two wonderful, innocent people that just saw things in their own way. And this is so important. It's so true. It's so important to know whenever something like this comes up in our lives. People are not out to get us. Most people are just in it for them. They're not really out to get us. The way that we survive, (laughs) a lot of people, is just, I only see what's in it for me. So once they walk out of Besden, even if one is innocent and one is guilty... A Torah person looks at both of them and says, you know what? You're both good people. One ended up with the money, one didn't. But they're both good people. They're both innocent. They're both innocent. As long as they accept the judgment. They accept what Hashem wants. Accept what the Torah wants. But you view them, because I can't. They both walk away innocent. This happens in the classroom all the time. You have parents and... Yeah, you have teachers and students and, 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 and there's friction. Huh? Nobody's really trying to lie. No one's out there. We're just seeing it differently. Very, very, very important perspective to have whenever we come across situations like this. And um, we'll hold it here for this evening. And uh, next time we learn, we will, uh, we will pick up from the next Mishnah from Mishnah Tess.